Well, good morning. We're so glad that you've joined us again for worship. We hope you're enjoying and being blessed by the worship service today. What we want to do is pray before we open the word, but then right after the prayer, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to play a little bit of music, so get ready for that. But let's pray first. Lord, you are a great God, and you have given us a great word, a great revelation. And we're praying your help as we unfold your word together in Psalm 20. Uh, we pray, Lord, uh, that you would help us to be right dividers of this word. And we do all of this for your glory and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, think about the song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace can be played in the traditional way, the 3-4 time signature. <laughs> As jazz musicians like to do sometimes, they take the same song and they take the tempo up a notch and maybe they'll play it with a more uh, Brazilian samba feel. And yet again, we can take the same song and play it as a ballad in 4-4. point is, the same song can be taken and played in several different ways, in different time signatures, with different textures. It's the same song done in different ways, and that's part of the fun that I had when I was playing jazz. Well, in our sermon today, we are looking at a piece of music that was composed many centuries ago, and the title of the piece of music is Psalm 20. And what I'd like to try to show you this morning is that Psalm 20 can be played, it can be approached uh, in at least three different ways. Another way to put it would be to say that Psalm 20 is a psalm that has at least three dimensions about it. And what we want to do this morning is just to briefly uh, touch on, explore each of those three dimensions. Now, as we start, I want to uh, lay my cards out on the table, so to speak. I want to give you uh, the three dimensions right off the top so that then you'll have uh, the basic roadmap for the sermon. You'll know where we're going today. So the first dimension of Psalm 20 is what we call the original context dimension. We're going to talk about that. Uh, this first dimension has to do with the situation in ancient Israel that birthed uh, the psalm in the first place, the original context dimension. And then the second dimension we want to talk about is what we call the New Testament uh, dimension of the psalm. This is the dimension of the psalm that has to do with Jesus especially, how Jesus fulfills Psalm 20. And then finally, we want to talk through the third dimension, which is what I'm calling the us dimension. That is, how do we as followers of Christ use Psalm 20 today? How do we appropriate uh, Psalm 20 in our day? So, so there's the basic roadmap uh, of the sermon today. 
And I'm going to do something slightly different today. I'm not going to detail every single verse of Psalm 20. What I want to do instead is to have us focus more on the big picture of the psalm, the bird's eye view of things as we go through this. Last Sunday, I thought it was great uh, when Charles began, near the beginning of his sermon, he began with the reading of the entirety of uh, Psalm 5. Well, I want to follow his lead here today. So let's begin by reading all of Psalm 20, and then we will discuss uh, that first dimension of our, of our reading, the original context dimension. Now, first of all, there, there is what we call a superscription above Psalm 20, and it reads, To the choir master, a psalm of David. So right away, we know, reading this superscription, that we are dealing with music. Uh, the psalm is written for a choir master, uh, to be sung in a choir. And then, following the superscription, we have the nine verses of the psalm. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. There's Psalm 20. Now, what can we say about the original context of this psalm? It's pretty clear on a careful reading that in the first five verses of the psalm, what we have is a group of people, and we can safely say that that group of people um, are the people of Israel, and they are addressing their king with well wishes. They are addressing their king with words of blessing, with words of encouragement. There is, in these first five verses, what we might call a benedictory, like a benediction, a benedictory quality to the words as the people address their king. It's almost like they're giving him this lengthy benediction. Now, we're not sure what the specific situation was uh, that caused the people to speak these rather urgent uh, well wishes, benedictions to their king. But we get a clue in verse 1 with that word trouble. Notice on the screen, it's on the very first uh, line of the text there, the word trouble. May Yahweh answer you in the day of trouble. Now that word in the original Hebrew is a word that literally describes 
a narrow strait, a narrow strait. Israel found themselves in some sort of narrow strait. They found themselves in some sort of tight spot, and now they were looking to their king to get them out of the tight spot. And because we have in verse 7, we have the mention of chariots and horses there, uh, we can safely assume that the tight spot that Israel found themselves in was a military tight spot. Israel was in some sort of military bind. Uh, there was a military skirmish that was imminent. And the people were turning now to their king for leadership. They were pronouncing blessing on their king as he prepared to lead the army into battle. Now, why do the people bless their king in this way? Is it only a wish for his protection or is there a deeper something that's happening here? Well, one of the big reasons that they bless their king in this way is because they know that as it goes for the king in battle, so it will go for them. The success or the lack of success of their king will have a direct bearing on their own safety, on their own blessing. And so they bless the king in a fervent way here before he goes into battle. So notice there is this intimate relationship between king and people, between king's success and people's success. Well, now we're still discussing the original context of this psalm. When we get to verse 6, there is now a notable change. Suddenly now, we have the king himself talking for three verses from verse 6 through verse 8. What we need to notice here is that the, the king is full of faith. We need to notice that. So in response to all the words of blessing from the people in verses 1 through 5, listen to what the king now says. He says, now I know. Now I am settled in my conviction. Now I affirm in a resolute way that Yahweh saves, and, and actually in the Hebrew here, it is Yahweh has saved, past tense. Yahweh has saved his anointed, his, his chosen king, has saved. Now watch this very carefully. The battle hasn't even started yet, but King David can say in faith, Yahweh has saved me. I'm already delivered from this battle by Yahweh. Notice the faith of the king here, the faith of David. He is so convinced of deliverance by Yahweh that he can speak of it here as if it's already happened, which it had not yet at this point. The battle hadn't yet been fought. But David, he knows his God. He knows Yahweh. David has been in intimate relationship with Yahweh, which is why David here has this astounding faith in Yahweh. And in fact, what we see in this psalm all over the place are several indications of the intimate relationship that David enjoyed with Yahweh. 
So in verse 1, the people hope that Yahweh will answer King David. And that word answer implies, does it not, that there was first a question. There was a plea from David that was put to Yahweh. It implies that David was praying to Yahweh, communing with Yahweh in relationship. And then in verse 3, David is pictured there as bringing offerings, bringing burnt sacrifices to Yahweh before the battle. Another indication of his devout, uh, contrite, close relationship with God. And then in verse 5, the people had wanted Yahweh to fulfill David's petitions. And that word petitions is another indication that David was a person who talked to Yahweh. He was a person who prayed, who communed with Yahweh. And then in verse 6, David is confident that his God will indeed answer uh, from heaven. David is talking to God and he knows that God will answer him. David loves God. He loves God. David is full of faith in God. David knows because of his prior experience with God, he knows because of his ongoing relationship with God that God has saved him in this situation of military conflict, even though the battle hadn't even started yet. He's full of faith. In verse 7, David says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of Yahweh our God. You see, friends, the proper object of faith is not human technology. It's not human power, chariots with war horses. It's not that. As Alan Ross puts it, quote, the proper object of faith is the name of Yahweh, close quote. Friends, our only hope is in God. Amen. Say amen if you're uh, sitting watching this. And that word name that appears here in verse 7, this is interesting. It's also, it also appears in verse 1 and again in verse 5. Uh, this has to do with God's reputation. I think we've talked about this in times past in previous uh, messages. So if I say something like, oh, Maria has a good name around here. What do I mean? I mean that Maria has a good reputation around here. When Israel talked about the name of God, they were talking about God's reputation. They were talking about God's proven track record um, about his might and his power and his faithfulness and his dependability. All these things that they knew about God from previous times. And now they use this word name to say he's going to come through again. He has this reputation. Friends, our ultimate trust is not in human technology, not in human ingenuity, human powers. It is rather in the name of God. And then notice in verse 8, David, he's almost prophetic here. So almost prophetically now, David anticipates by faith 
the outcome of the battle that he's about to undertake. David is sure that the opposing army will collapse and fall. But we, Israel, we will rise and stand upright. Now here I imagine David announcing this assurance to the people in, in a raised, determined, courageous tone of voice, just as they prepared to go into battle. And I think it would just electrify the people and the troops. And then I imagine verse 9 being sung in the midst of great shouting after that rousing speech from the king. Now the people say, O Yahweh, save the king. May he answer us. May Yahweh answer us when we call. All right, so now we've played through the psalm in its first dimension. Let's switch now to the second way, the second dimension, and that's the New Testament dimension. Now here it's important, I think, to notice again, if you have your Bible open, notice in the superscription above verse 1 that this is a psalm of David, right? David wrote this psalm. So as we've already discussed, David's pen records the words of the people blessing him in verses uh, 1 through 5. And then in verses 6 through 8, David writes down his response to their blessing. And then he writes verse 9, which is the final shout that the people give after his little speech. Well, all of this is what we've just covered, what we've just talked about. But now there's this second dimension of Psalm 20 as well. Listen, God had promised David in 2 Samuel 7 that one of his descendants, one of David's descendants, would be established on the throne of Israel forever. And then over in Acts chapter 2, as the apostle uh, Peter is preaching there, Peter calls David a prophet. David is a prophet, was a prophet. And Peter says in that same sermon that David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ and that that had happened in the Psalms. I think what's happening in Psalm 20 is that David, as much as he's writing about his own context with his own people, he's also writing about this descendant in his lineage, this Messiah, who would arrive and who would be established on the throne forever. Now, here's what I mean. I think verses 1 through 5 can legitimately be read as David himself blessing his descendant. David himself blessing his descendant. May Yahweh answer you, my descendant, in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you, my descendant. May he send help from the sanctuary and give you, my descendant, support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings, my descendant, and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, etc., etc. It goes on. David in these verses, in an ultimate sense, is praying for Jesus. 
He's praying for his greatest descendant who came in the line of David. Now, looking at verse 1 in this way, the day of trouble for King Jesus, uh, the great battle for King Jesus, turned out to be the hour of his cross. The cross is when Jesus became sin for us. The cross is when Jesus was defeating Satan. The cross is when the curse was being undone. The cross is when the wrath of God on the believer's sin was being poured out on Jesus. This is the great battle the day of trouble that Jesus faced, that he undertook for us. In his Psalms commentary, Dale Ralph Davis wonders, and and so do I wonder, if Jesus prayed verse 6 in faith in the hours uh, before the cross. Now I know that Yahweh saves or has saved his Meshiach, in Hebrew, his Messiah. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Well, the Father most certainly did save and deliver. The Father did hear the prayers of the Son. And in fact, Jesus says in John eleven forty two 42, that the Father always hears the Son. With verse 3 of our psalm in mind, we can say that the Father, uh, the Father being glorified, being delighted with the offering, with the sacrifice of his Son on the cross to save sinners, he responded to his Son by delivering him through death. The Father delivered his Son mightily from the pangs of death, raising him in victory and exalting him to the highest place in heaven. In accordance also with Psalm 20 verse 9, God did indeed save the king. God delivered the king through death to resurrected life and exaltation. So, King Jesus saves his people by his sacrifice and God delivers and exalts the king. Well, this is the New Testament dimension of Psalm 20. But then finally this morning, we come to the third way, the third dimension of Psalm 20, which is the us dimension. Now, the question here is, how do we fit into Psalm 20 today? How how do we use Psalm 20 today? Now, we've talked already about Israel's use of the psalm. We've talked about how Uh, David is talking about Christ in the psalm, uh, that Christ fulfills the psalm. Well, what about us today? How are we to use this psalm in our daily lives? Well, let me start by saying that I think it's entirely legitimate for us to use Psalm 20 in our daily lives as Christians, especially being in union with the king who fulfills this psalm, Jesus. As royal subjects of the king, we can pray this psalm back to to God who hears our prayers because of Jesus. 
in our, our Monday night uh, Zoom meetings, we've been praying the Psalms back to God. And, and Psalm 20 is a great Psalm for us to, to land on and to learn from as we learn to pray. We need to learn uh, prayer. It doesn't come naturally to us. We need to learn it. And Psalm 20 is a good place to, to be for that. Now, of course, our context in 2020, it's very different, isn't it, than ancient Israel uh, blessing their king before he goes off to battle. But nevertheless, friends, there's a good chance, even right now, that we might know someone who is facing a battle, who is facing a difficulty, facing a day of trouble of one kind or another. Wouldn't it be a meaningful thing to pick up the phone or, or maybe get on Zoom with that person. We're doing a lot of Zooming lately. And pray Psalm 20 verse 1 over him or her. To say to that afflicted friend, May the Lord answer you in your day of trouble, my friend. May, may the name, may the amazing reputation of our God protect you. Or, alternately, we can also pray this same verse for ourselves if we are in trouble. Lord, answer my prayer today. I know that you are a God who answers prayer. Answer my prayer today. I'm in trouble, uh, relational trouble, or financial trouble, or trouble with my health, or, or trouble uh, with my mental well-being. Protect me, O God. Set me in a safe place. And I thank you for the ultimate safety that is mine right now because I'm in your son, Jesus. And then we can go to verse 2 and we can pray that verse also. Now just take a moment here to read Psalm 2 to yourself in silence uh, and I'll do the same thing. And then I'll, I'll suggest a way that we might uh, pray this verse. So go ahead and read this to yourself in silence. So looking at this verse, you might pray this way. Lord, I'm in need of all sorts of help and all sorts of support right now. I need help finding a job. I need your help with something I am tempted by. I need your help and your support in my marriage. I need help and support with my kids, with my car, with my health, with my difficult neighbor. Lord, send divine help directly from your control room in heaven. Yours is the help that I need and that I am seeking right now. I'm depending on you for your help. And Lord, forgive me for seeking help in lesser places while I have neglected you. And then, how would you pray verse 3? Again, take a moment to read this verse to yourself for just a second. Maybe we could pray... Lord, I am right now pleading for help and for victory in my life because of the only sacrifice that matters, which is the blood of Jesus on the cross. I know that you will regard my prayer today because of Jesus and because what, of what he has done. Thank you 
for opening up the channel of prayer by your son's sacrifice so that now you hear my pleas and my petitions. Maybe we could pray something like that. And you go through the psalm in that way, praying the words back to God. You get to verse 5 and you shout for joy and you wave your uh, metaphorical or literal, if you have banners, <laughs> wave your banners of victory and praise because of the salvation that has been wrought uh, by Jesus, by King Jesus. You get to verse 7. And you reset your trust in God. You confess that you have focused your trust far too much on, on human ingenuity. And you get to verse 8. And you're looking ahead to the ultimate consummation that is still to come. When the people of God will rise and be upright for eternity while God's enemies fall and fade away. Well, friends, now we have talked about the three dimensions of Psalm 20, original context, fulfillment in Christ in the New Testament, and the us uh, dimension. I think this is perhaps a decent approach, or at least it's one approach that we can take with all of the Psalms, not just Psalm 20, but with all of them. Well, I close now with my very earnest and sincere prayer for each of you who are watching right now. And this is a prayer that flowers out of Psalm 20. So my prayer is that the Lord would answer you in this day of COVID-19 trouble. That the God of Jacob and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would protect you. That he would keep you safe. That our great God, would send you whatever specific help you need right now, and that, that he would give you support from his cosmic almighty throne room. And I pray that you would know that he always is looking at you through the lens of his son's sacrifice. And may he grant you the desires of your heart your desires of your heart that have grown out of a right relationship with him. May he give you your desires that are in keeping with his will and in keeping with his purposes. And this day, friend, may you shout, even right now from where you're seated, shout because your heart is full because of the salvation that he has given you in Christ. And may you trust always in the name in the good and great reputation and character of Jesus Christ, our Lord. May he answer you when you call. Amen.